ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules in order to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at chapters 15 through 19 of Ezekiel. He is sharing in poetic format of God's judgment against Jerusalem. Chapter 15 is an allegory describing Jerusalem as a vine that is useless. And then when it is burnt, it's even more useless. In verses 7 and 8, the Lord says, I set my face against them, though they have come out of the fire, yet the fire will consume them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. Thus, I will make the land desolate because they have acted unfaithfully. The theme of unfaithfulness is marked very vividly in chapter 16, comparing Jerusalem to an unfaithful wife. It begins with verses 1 through 6 talking of the origin of Israel, which is from the land of Canaan. If you remember, when Abraham was called, he was not from Jerusalem. The name for Hebrew may mean from somewhere else. The Lord talks as if Israel was a baby born, and how the Lord called out, Live! Verse 6, and how the Lord nurtured the child. In verses 7 through 13, the Lord describes how Israel grew up and became a beautiful young woman, and again, how the Lord nurtured her and wed her. Verses 14 through 26 tell of how this beautiful young woman was so enamored with her own beauty that she took any man that would have her. She played the harlot against the Lord. Verse 27 begins, Behold now, I have stretched out my hand against you. And then the Lord continues describing the results of Israel's unfaithfulness, and the Lord will expose her nakedness. Verse 37. Then when Israel, especially the city of Jerusalem, is burnt to the ground, verse 42 says, So I will calm my fury against you, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I will be pacified and angry no more. In verses 44 through 52 of chapter 16, the Lord compares Jerusalem to her two sisters, Samaria, which was the capital city of the northern tribe of Israel, which was full of idolatry. And Sodom, verses 49 through 50, her sins were described as arrogant, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. And because she was haughty, she committed abominations before the Lord. And therefore the Lord removed them when he saw it. It was destroyed by fire. The Lord tells Jerusalem, Thus you have made your sisters appear righteous by all your abominations which you have committed. Yes, be also ashamed and bear your disgrace in that you made your sisters appear righteous. Verse 52. 
In verses 53 through 59, the Lord announces that Jerusalem will become a reproach to the nations around her. And then verses 60 through 63, we see a wonderful word, nevertheless. The Lord continues, nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Verse 60. And when the Lord does that, they will remember their ways and be ashamed, and they will know that their God is the Lord. Then he will forgive them for what they have done. We have a third allegory in chapter 17. Actually, verse 2 calls it a riddle and a parable from the Lord. The parable is told in verses 1 through 10, and then it is explained in verses 11 through 21. It is telling the story of how the first eagle, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came to Jerusalem and took Judah's king, Jehoiakim, to Babylon. The other great king is the king of Egypt, and Judah tried to join forces with Egypt, but it did not work. Babylon came and wiped out Judah and scattered the people. And when that happens, quote, You will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 21. The chapter then ends with hope. We have a new story. This time, there are not eagles, just the Lord. And he will plant a new sprig, and it will bear fruit and become a strong cedar tree, where birds of every kind will nest under it in its shade, and all the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will perform it. Verse 24. The explanation is not given in this chapter. But now that we have the New Testament, we know that Jesus is that new spring which comes out of Judah, and his ministry is for every kind of people, not just the Jews, and all the world, all of the nations, will know that the Lord, he is God. Chapter 18 begins with a proverb of the Jews. The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. We also find this proverb in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29. What that means is that the children will suffer the iniquity of the sins of their parents. The Lord says they are not going to use this anymore. Each person is responsible for their own sins. Some of this understanding comes from the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 5 and 6. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. One way I understand this verse has to do with generational sins. My mom has a sweet tooth. I have a sweet tooth. My dad held in his anger and exploded. I hold my anger in and explode, or at least I used to. 
Children of alcoholics can easily become alcoholics because that is the experience and the habits that we've seen. Before we jump into chapter 18, I also want to point out that in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16, there is a law that says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for their own sin. This is called individual responsibility. What we see in chapter 18 of Ezekiel is not foreign to the Jews. Before the Lord gives examples of individual responsibility, he begins with, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son are mine. The soul who sins will die. This is verse 4. Verses 5 through 9 talk of a righteous man and what a righteous man does and then says because he is righteous, he will live. Verses 10 through 11 tell of this righteous man's son who is violent and not righteous. He will be put to death and his blood will be on his own head. Now this wicked son also had a son and the grandson sees what his wicked father has done, and he does not act like his dad, but instead like his granddad. He will not die for his dad's sins. He will surely live. Verses 14 through 18. Verses 19 through 20 explain that each person will bear their own consequences. One thing that C. Hassel Bullock in an introduction to the Old Testament prophetic books said was this, In fact, that was Yahweh's way of preserving a remnant. The individual could personally turn and be spared, chapter 18. But corporate mercy was out of the question. And this is found in his book on page 296. Then the Lord describes a wicked man who turns from his wicked ways and follows the Lord's statue and does righteousness and justice, and he will live. But if a righteous man turns to wickedness, he will not live but die. The Lord resays this in this section to clarify his point because the people are complaining that it's not fair. There is in the midst of this section a key verse, number 23, which says, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, rather than that he should turn from his ways and live? Listen carefully, ladies. I have heard some people teach that the Lord sends people to hell because it gives him glory. This is not found in Scripture. Do some people go to hell? Yes. Is the Lord happy about it? No. He takes no pleasure in it, but he allows it. Why? Because he is holy and just and righteous and his home is like that and it's full of people like him. One other thing that this passage stresses to me is that it is important to end life well. We want to be women who are faithful to the end. One of the reasons for that is that it shows what we truly believe. 
Chapter 18 ends with a cry to the house of Israel. The Lord tells her he will judge her according to her conduct. Then he cries, repent and turn. Then verse 32 says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. This leads to a lamentation for the kings of Israel. This poem or song starts with, What was your mother? Then Israel and or Judah was described as a lioness and the king of Judah as a cub that grew up to be a lion. But this first lion was taken to the land of Egypt. It seems safe to say that this is in reference to King Jehoahaz of Judah. This story is found in 2 Kings chapter 23. Then the lioness took another of her cubs and he became a young lion. But this king was brought to the king of Babylon. There are two possible choices for this second cub. It could be Jehoiakim who was taken to Babylon in the second deportation with Ezekiel in 597 BC. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 24 verse 12. Or it could be the last king of Judah, Zedekiah, which is found in 2 Kings 25 verses 6 and 7. I lean more toward Zedekiah because this is a lament about the end of Judah's reign of a kingdom. Verse 10 starts, Your mother was like a vine in your vineyard. So the imagery switches back to a vine which once was luscious, but now it's dried up and fire will consume it. It ends with the fire put out and it sits in the wilderness where it's dry and thirsty. There is not a strong branch. There is not a scepter to rule. This is a lamentation and has become a lamentation. In other words, this is a song of sorrow which Ezekiel has written and now this song has become a lamentation, a song of sorrow for the nation of Israel. One point that Dr. Betts made in Old Testament class The purpose of Ezekiel is to bring the exiles to a point of personal accountability for the destruction of Jerusalem and a call to repentance. He continues, His message is to bring these exiles to the point of accountability to recognize that they are the reason for the judgment that has come upon Jerusalem and especially the temple. It is by taking responsibility for this sin that they can come to repentance. So ladies, how are you at taking responsibility for your sins? As we have seen throughout the Old Testament, sometimes we are in the mess we are in because of our own sin and poor choices. Sometimes we are in a mess because of other sins. And sometimes we are in a mess because like Job, it's a test and we live in a sinful world. The Lord, through Ezekiel, tells us to repent and turn toward the Lord. Jesus in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, as he met with his disciples before he ascended into heaven, said, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you 
that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, verses 44 through 47. If we confess our sins and repent and turn from our wicked ways to the Lord and his ways, we have life and we have it abundantly. And because he is with us, we can face any horrible situation. We can face the truth, whatever it is, because with the Lord, We have hope because he has overcome, so will we. If you hear his voice today, ladies, don't harden your heart. Pray to the Lord to open your mind to understand the scriptures. And then let's be women who confess, repent, turn, and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.